Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith. And before we get started, I want to remind everybody, uh, in case you're just finding our podcast now, that our, our, our title for this podcast, Take Every Thought Captive, uh, we get that from 2 Corinthians 10.5 where we read, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so that really, I think, defines what we're trying to do here on the podcast and CSA in general, uh, is that we're trying to um, lay our intellects down, submit them to um, the will and the providence of God, uh, and make it obedient uh, to Christ. And so that really drives uh, our entire mission at Catholic Studies Academy. And so I just want to invite our listeners as we begin today, um, keep this in mind with, with when, when you read or when you study everything, uh, that, uh, that we want to give our intellect to God and ask him to bless it and give it back to us for use for his greater glory and honor. And to help in this uh, intellectual endeavor, uh, Catholic Studies Academy has our courses uh, we have or we have our courses in uh, Catholic theology and philosophy, and uh, for our, our listeners, uh, we're just about to uh, launch a new epistemology class by Dr. Smith, and it really you know gets at the heart of the the question: How do we know something? How do you know? You know. So if you've ever asked that question, then you've entered into this epistemological world, <laughs> and so uh, Dr. Smith will be uh, launching that class. Uh, very shortly, and um, we just have a lot of free content as well on there. And also, if you if you're so generous and, and inclined to uh, help support the work of Catholic Studies Academy, we also have a donate button there that we'd be very much appreciated uh, in helping uh, keeping uh, the academy going and putting out this content so that we can uh, take these thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. And so, Dr. Smith. Um, to get started today, uh, our topic is going to be uh, military ethics, and this is going to, uh, we did this for a couple of reasons. Uh, we just uh, celebrated Veterans Day, so we thought it'd be a good time to uh, talk about just military ethics, um, and the soldier in particular, um, and also it fits in very well with our previous uh, podcasts on uh, principles of political wisdom, uh, particularly our last one where we talked about uh, the common good. So this is going to be a real application uh, to that principle regarding the common good. Uh, and so, Dr. Smith, uh, why don't you go ahead and get us started? All right, Jason, thanks. Uh, so this is something I've thought a lot about. I've uh, long been interested in uh, military history and, of course, in political philosophy. And so um, I think it's a, a an important uh, topic to, to get into uh, for a variety of reasons. One, of course, because of the very nature of the military and uh, war and conflict. Obviously, um, it's a very serious and, uh, matter uh, that need that requires our serious uh, ethical attention mm -hmm. and analysis. At the same time, uh, kind of at a more local and particular and personal level, um, you know, thinking about military ethics also involves thinking about, you know, the soldiers that we know, right? right. That is... Um, you know, uh, not we very often kind of maybe look at military ethics in terms of the broad global perspective, but actually it's also, and that's useful to do, but it's also useful to look at it from the more local and particular perspective. That mm -hmm. is looking at actual military personnel, looking at the individual soldier, what are the ethics of becoming a soldier and how does one go about being a virtuous soldier? It might be surprising that actually, um, political uh, philosophy, classical philosophy has a lot to say about that. Yeah. In fact, uh, at some point, I'm going to do a whole course on philosophy and conflict uh, because the, the classical world and classical philosophy really has a lot to say about conflict in general and even uh, military conflict. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that this will, this will be useful both in sort of the big picture and in sort of the more local kind of personal perspective. Um, Military ethics, that phrase might sound sort of surprising. Uh, it is actually a branch uh, of ethics. Um, you know, if you've ever been associated with any sort of professional studies, like mm -hmm. in business or nursing or something right. of that nature, then you've probably run into various kind forms of applied ethics, right, what, what right, usually right. is called applied ethics now. So you have business ethics, medical ethics, nursing ethics, things of that nature, right? Military ethics... Broadly speaking, if you were looking at it from a contemporary view, might fall under that that 
field, right? It's a form of applied ethics, applied to the um, uh, military uh, activity uh, and the military dom domain. Um, and from a more classical perspective, right, you could say it's it's a it's a form of applied ethics that's primarily involves political philosophy, mm -hmm. not exclusively. The ethic has some over overlap with basic elements of uh, ethics, but it really does grow out of um, political philosophy. So I think that kind of helps us to situate it here. When we're thinking about the soldier, yeah. we're thinking about someone who is a member of a political community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that so, uh, that does, and I think, and I think, like you said, to think of it as uh, um, along the lines with those with those other ones, nursing or business, um, mm -hmm. that it's uh, it's specific to this now, and, and I think it's important to emphasize that because you know there is like the the extreme today where you know just the the carte blanche, all fighting is bad, you know, therefore mm -hmm. you know you know, and probably even the look that you know the soldier can't be virtuous but to say no mm. there's actually an entire like people have given this a lot of thought That's uh, right, uh, right. Yeah. you know and not just the contemporary age of you know condemning fighting and things like that but sure sure <laughs> it's a yeah, little yeah. deeper right right so if you if you come if you sort of come from the, a classical perspective right you're thinking about the soldier as someone who is a member of mm -hmm. as i say a particular political community notice it's important to emphasize a particular political community um then that gives us sort of a starting point. Mm -hmm. uh, the soldier is uh, a member of a political community. That's a very generic, broad definition, but it's a necessary one. It ties into a couple of things we're going to talk about here. Um, uh, so uh, a soldier is going to be a particular man in a particular time, in a particular place, in a particular community, a community that has certain circumstances, mm -hmm. that has certain customs, um, that has... Um, certain uh, political realities that it operates within. Right, right. right. Um, when uh, someone becomes a soldier, right, how do we define that? The, again, if you want to think broadly here, in a sense, you have to think, okay, well, a soldier, you know, in the 5th century is not going to look exactly the same as a soldier in the 21st century. There's going to be a different, obviously there's differences in technology, but there's also just differences in the, I don't know, the economics of being a soldier, right? right? Like the full-time state-supported um soldier on a base right on a military base that we tend to think of right yeah is is relatively a new development in the history mm -hmm. of in military history uh very often um i mean there there have been such things right yeah but i would say that's kind of the minority historically speaking very often soldiers were given a wage or just uh given occasional uh forms of funding um but didn't sort of live in a base full time right, right they right. were sort of organized for a particular campaign or a particular war, uh, that sort of thing. So there's been a lot of different ways that you could arrange soldiering uh, historically. And a lot of those, I think, are, are due to, to economic, technological circumstances. Mm -hmm. But a good, I think, working definition is to think of a soldier as someone who is uh, officially uh, commissioned by the public authority to engage in combat Right for the sake of or on behalf of the political community. Mm -hmm. Does that definition yep. make sense to you, Jason? Yeah, it's clear. It's simple. I think it okay, works. Okay. <laughs> That's right. So it's important that it's officially, it's legally commissioned. Uh, I, that might be more or less formal at some points, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But let's say that you, <clears throat> uh, um, let's say that you, Jason, came to think that that Canada be harming America by its uh duplicitous and strange political ideas right <laughs> right and so you yes. sort of start thinking <laughs> like canada is a real problem right yep. <laughs> and so you decided right to uh to defend america from canada mm -hmm. uh and and you went to war against i don't know some canadian poor canadian border post or something right <laughs> right uh like you wouldn't be acting as a soldier, okay? No. You, right? Does that make sense? Right? You're not legally commissioned, right? <laughs> there, there's no sense. Now, like in a state of emergency, it might be the case that the king or the government, you know, commissions swaths of people. Sure. Right? Officially combatants, right? But there does need to be that official commissioning. The United States of America and most modern militaries deal with this by the taking of an oath. 
right? Right, right, right. So when you've never known anybody who goes into the military, there's, you know, it's all fun and games and talking to the recruiter until you take the oath. Right? <laughs> and you seal the deal. So, that's right. When you take that oath, you then become a member of the military uh, in the United States. Now, again, it can operate differently somewhat into other countries. There'll be different customs. But sure. that carries in the idea that you are now legally commissioned to uh, engage in um, um, combat on behalf of the political community. Uh, now you might say combat. I think it's important to, yeah. to bring in here right? because uh, you know we have different. Uh, sometimes we call them first responders. Different kinds of ways of talking about this. But like we have policemen, we have uh, uh, deputies, sheriffs, we have firemen, we have coast guard, things of that mm-hmm. nature. What sets apart um, the military the soldier right is the the into which he's commissioned right. the into which he is commissioned is combat now it will be the case hopefully that most soldiers will serve their time without ever directly engaging in combat but that's what they train for that's what yep. they're organized for everything is about combat right being prepared to engage in combat on behalf of the political community so you have to ask yourself then well what do i mean by combat mm-hmm. combat is just the legal i'm sorry is the um uh, organized application of lethal force. Uh, so you're talking about somebody who's commissioned by a state, by a political community to apply, uh, uh, lethal force on, a um, uh, on a, on an enemy, somebody designated by the political authorities an enemy. Um, so, um, you know, that's, you know, I said lethal on purpose. It is, uh, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it is killing force, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, right? I think it, it needs to be. It needs to be straight. I think it's morally important to straightforwardly accept that the military is about use of lethal force. Right, right. right. Uh, I think sometimes we can use kind of euphemisms, right? Yeah. You know, and 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 to some degree, depending on the context, you know, like you, there might be some reason for that, but. Um, when it comes down to it, being a responsible citizen, thinking about these things clearly, you need to be honest. Like this, like they ha- they have guns, right? yeah, 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 uh, and, and and tanks and and artillery and and all those things exist for the sake of, at least proximately, for the sake of applying lethal force. Now you might go on and say, well, yeah, but that's really all for the protection of the common good, right, 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 right. And I think that's all to the good to say that, right. But that doesn't change the fact, and I think this is morally, in order to be morally serious about military matters, right, you need to accept that at the proximate level, right, yeah, ultimately you may be doing this for the common good, ultimately it may be for the protection of the innocent, that's great. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is all about uh, organized application of lethal force, right? Right, well, and, and I mean, that's the other thing, I mean, in, in some way we all have... Uh, um... We all have the authority to protect the common good in our own way, but we don't have the legal authorization or commission uh, to use uh, lethal force in the way that a soldier does. Right. Uh, right. You know, yeah. so, so, I mean, like you said, you know, like if you want to be straight with it, you want to get, uh, 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 take it serious. Yeah. You got it. Sure. You have that, that is an essential part of it that cannot be overlooked or downplayed or, or uh, uh, watered down. Like that's, you know, that's what it is, you know, mm-hmm. um, that idea of, uh, uh, combat. Um, and, and I mean, yeah, cause I mean, you look at, you know, the other things that, uh, um, a, a community can do or a society can do for sure. protection or things like that. Yeah. Like you With don't, attorney, you don't need yeah, to be yeah. commissioned to do those things, but well, you to, might be, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to, but to but to do it on behalf of the community, but to use lethal force on behalf of a community, that's something that is absolutely specific to uh, what uh, what a soldier is and does, that's and right. doesn't yeah. exist in another group or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and it's and it's on um, uh, combatants, right? So it's it's not just criminals usually, right? Yeah. Although the, the, there can be some overlap there. But like take the attorney general, the attorney general, uh, say in the United States, or there'd be something similar in other countries, modern countries. Um, you know, 
the attorney general is commissioned to protect the common good and serve the common good, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but but his proximate object isn't the the organized application of lethal force on enemy combatants, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, whether he's 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 involved in the legal system, right? Right. And the legal sort of prosecution of uh, you know those who have harmed the people. All right. Now let's get into uh, some questions about the like you said to to begin with the soldier. Uh, um, you know, to, to begin with the local and work our way to the more general, uh, to the more broad, uh, um, you know, is it good? Is it desirable to, to be a soldier? You know, how do we look at this question? So I want to just say, uh, as an aside here, and maybe Dr. Bulzakelli or somebody can cover this in greater extent. There have been some, a few, uh, a minority kind of uh, position among Christians, um, going pretty far back that, that one should never be a soldier. Right. right. Um, uh, as I say, I think that's a minority view. It's a view that the church of uh, the church eventually rejected, mm-hmm. uh, and has, uh, continued to reject, uh, to this day. Um, so I'd say, you know, it's, uh, the, you know, the, the ordinary tradition of the church, right. <laughs> that, uh, we accept that there is such a thing as virtuous soldiering, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but let's look at a philosophical explanation of that. So, um, whether it is good or desirable to be a soldier. Again, when you think about whether something is desirable or not, there's different ways of talking about it as being desirable. We could think about it as being useful. Mm-hmm. We could think about it as being pleasurable, or we can think about it as being honorable. Um, uh, use and pleasure are all to the good. There's nothing wrong with usefulness and pleasure, but they ultimately have to be connected to something that is honorable or praiseworthy. Right. So is there anything that's praiseworthy about being a soldier? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, sometimes when we think about this, I think there's a tendency to emphasize fortitude and friendship as the special qualities or hard work and discipline, right? Mm -hmm. As the special qualities of soldiering such that it becomes something that is praiseworthy. So, you know, you see the, the discipline of a, uh, of a Marine, right? Uh, Especially, you know, sort of in ceremonial parade, right? There's, you know, something very attractive about that um, uh, to a lot of people. It sort of bespeaks discipline, right? Yeah, Those yeah, sorts yeah. of things. And I think that's, you know, certainly fortitude and friendship, uh, genuine fortitude and friendship are like, so uh, loyalty, com- uh, loyalty to your comrades, right? Uh, that sort of thing. Those things are admirable and, and good, but they don't really, that they don't really distinguish soldiering as such. I yeah, would yeah, say yeah. that there is a long tradition of recognizing that that soldiering involves the uh, at least especially from a, a, the classical world mm-hmm. that soldiering involves the preeminent example of fortitude, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would want to say that that fortitude is especially the virtue of the soldier, right? Mm-hmm. But I would not. I would just want to. I would hesitate to say. Uh, I, I would not want to say exclusively the virtue. Of the yeah, soldier, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, certainly if you are involved in uh, combat, right. With other combatants, right. Then there is the fear, the healthy fear of losing one's life or, or being harmed. Uh, and so, um, on the supposition that what you're doing is good, right. <laughs> then you can exercise fortitude, but notice the importance of that supposition, right. Yeah. A brave thief is not right courageous right or virtuous right because what he's doing is evil yeah that's really important right you could you could exhibit bravery you could even exhibit criminals sometimes might even exhibit some loyalty although not much uh to each other right um so you think about um some kind of criminal activity say a criminal activity where you're you're robbing a bank or 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 something like that right uh you know, there might be bravery involved, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And in addition to that, there might be cooperation among the thieves, and there might even be a certain amount of loyalty among the thieves, mm-hmm. right? None of which is virtuous. None of which is fortitude, an example of fortitude. Why? Because the underlying action is itself evil. Um, so this is why it's not enough to say that soldiers are brave to make it desirable, because it has to be the case that soldiering itself is something virtuous. 
does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I would, yeah, I would even say, you know, when you look at, uh, uh, you know, even the the sacrifice that they make. I mean, you know, you, you've hear you've heard the the stories about, you know, a um, uh, a uh, a teenager or a young adult commits a crime, and the parents mm-hmm. uh, to to preserve their children from going to jail for the crime, the parents will will sacrifice themselves. Uh, uh, and say they did the crime, you know, mm. that's not real sacrifice because it's not attached <laughs> to something that's good. Like it's not that, or that kind of sacrifice, like you said, is not virtuous, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, even when, when you talk about, you know, all of these, uh, attributes, uh, of the soldier and stuff, you know, mm. it has to be attached, uh, uh, those, those, um, those things that can be virtuous, they have to be attached to what is good. There has to be the good sure. there. Um, yeah, there has to be some underlying good. So that pushes us, I think, if we're going to be ethically serious about soldiering, to ask the question, then, okay, well, what is the good yeah, yeah, of yeah. soldiering? Right? What makes soldiering itself a good activity, right? Now, notice, I'm saying soldiering itself a good activity. That supposes that, right, we can't, we, we shouldn't think of soldiering as merely a necessary evil, right? Right. Uh, in fact, I, that phrase should we should ban right, <laughs> from our moral vocabulary. Okay, um, there is no such thing as a necessary evil. Right. Okay. Um, there's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the right thing to do is painful, but that the pain doesn't make it evil. <laughs> okay, it just makes it right and painful. But well, we have to justify our we have to justify our bad actions some way, Dr. Smith, so somehow. Right. <laughs> Little linguistic gymnastics there, that's all. That's right, right. So the, the the two things that we can bring in here and these are, are aspects of the same virtue or the same thing is is that soldiering is good because um, of patriotism and justice, mm-hmm. right? So when I use the term patriotism, right, sometimes that seems a little jingoistic or a little, you know, people kind of sort of look down on it. You know, one thing I found interesting, uh, that sometimes people from uh, Europe are scandalized by how much Americans fly the American flag. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. it's weird or something. I think it's kind of interesting, but uh, <laughs> it's just an interesting culture difference. But so but patriotism, of course, the root of the word patriotism is patria. Right, and it has to do with one's fatherland, one's homeland, the mm-hmm. patria. Mm-hmm. Right? Is it good to love one's patria? And the, clearly, the answer is yes. Right. right? Yeah. To put it in the classical vocabulary, it's an act of piety. Mm-hmm. Right. That is, I have come from a place. I have been born in a place. I've been raised in that place. I've benefited from its customs, its laws, uh, whatever prosperity it happens to have. I have participated in mm-hmm. um, to some degree or the other. Um, I think about growing up in the United States of America um, and in particular in Tennessee, I think, you know, I've been very blessed by my patria, right? Is my patria perfect? Is it uh, pristine? No, right? It's not, but it's still mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a right loyalty and a right devotion uh, to it because I owe it to my patria, right, Mm -hmm. Um, to do that. Uh, that's a kind of, in the classical terms, piety. Now, we're used to only thinking about piety in terms of God, right? right. But in a classical perspective, it certainly primarily applies to God. But we can also think of piety at a, a lesser kind of level, right? A uh, different kind of piety. It's just respect for to our benefactors, right? And, um, you know, we have God, parents, and country, right? You know, I mean, those are the objects of our piety, Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, and I think that, you know, when you look at it from maybe to use some language from today, I mean, when you look at say, you know, um, you know, the, um, when we talk about, you know, well, what is the fundamental cell of society? Well, it's the family Well, you know, and that's why, you know, and you can see, you know, you can see kind of the, the natural and the supernatural here that, okay, on a natural level, that family is the fundamental cell of society on a supernatural level. You know, God tells us, uh, um, that we should give that devotion and that honor to our parents as the heads sure. of that family, uh, which is the fundamental cell of society. So, you know, taking that a step further, uh, uh, it, well, okay, if we have um, kind of that devotion and that respect for the fundamental cell of society, to to bring it larger, uh, we need to have that respect and that devotion mm-hmm. to the society within which we live. Um, right. 
and it's virtuous, you know, to do so. Right. Uh, it's good. Right. It's it's it builds up the 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 person uh, to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just think about. Um, uh, I mean, your parents. St. Thomas talks about your parents after God, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are the most direct cause after God. After God, the most direct cause of your being. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So um, it galls me to the core when I see uh, children disrespecting their parents. Um, it just, you know, e- even adult children, I think, yeah, look, no parents are perfect. And some parents are really bad. That's a different <laughs> matter. But, it, but all parents are, uh, are most parents are, imper- all parents are imperfect to one degree or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember over here, I was uh, sitting somewhere getting coffee, waiting for, an appointment. I heard these two ladies talking and the one lady was just going on and on and on about all the imperfections of her father. Right. Mm. Um, and, and these weren't like, you know, uh, physical abuse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Real serious. These are imperfections yeah. to, and maybe even significant imperfections. Right. But at some point I think I, I just want to say, why don't you just shut up? Right. Like <laughs> stop it. Right. Like, like if it wasn't for your father and your mother, you wouldn't exist yeah. to even say these things about your parents. Right. Um, so anyways, uh, I, 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 there, there is a, I think we should have a, a right repulsion. I know when I am at the grocery store and I see children disrespecting their, their parents, uh, there's a variety of reasons to react negatively to that. But one of them is just, it's impious. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's wrong. It's out of order. Um, so when I, and, I, and I think it's, you know, part of that, you know, um, that that virtuous devotion to your, your parents or, you know, even to, to, to your spouse that it brings in, you know, other virtues, like in this case, you know, like there really needs to be an exercise of, you know, the modesty of your language. Sure. Like you right. may you may feel these things towards your parents, you know, or, or something like that. But, you know, um, you know, it's very similar, like when I see, uh, you know. Uh, people complaining about their spouse on on Facebook. Um, that's mm-hmm. completely immodest and 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 yeah, yeah, and inappropriate. Like it, uh, there's a there's a devotion to your spouse that 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 you sure. owe. That there are things that need to be kept between you two, and that the world right. should right. not share in. Uh, you know, sure. and so I mean, like there, and it's a real respect uh, for the other person. You know, in a similar way, you know, there's no matter. Uh, uh, you know what the faults are of your uh, of your parents there's there is some real devotion uh there you know even sure. you know and you see this especially with like when, or when it comes to patriotism you even see this with like i mean countries where you're like i would never live there why don't those people just leave or something like that uh, you know uh, they don't because they 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 love sure. and they ask them they right, they right. they love where where they're they're from right, even as right, bad right. as it may be Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a there's a love and a devotion for that. And, and when you're gone, you know, I'm from Texas. So, I mean, when I'm gone, I miss it. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, uh, uh, you know, when you go second home, best, second best state in the union. Yeah, yeah. debatable. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's a whole nother podcast. But uh, uh, <laughs> but like, you know, when you when you go home, you know, I remember mm-hmm. uh, reading a um, a part about uh, uh Dietrich von Hildebrand in his book on the nature of love, he talks about when you okay. go home, even the trees, almost the trees right. welcome you. Uh, the land itself kind of, uh, uh, you know, breathes and 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 at at your at your coming home and and within you it, it arises, you know, just from the land, you know, and it, and I think that's you know something that we experience if we've ever been away from home and we go home, uh, we have that experience of, of, of welcoming of a breath of fresh sure. air of, of that kind of, and it's because you love, you, you, you right. have this particular love, devotion, patriotism of, of your own, your own country. Sure. In, yeah. In the case place, of yeah. I mean, place, yeah. Place and time are real categories of being. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and they're real categories of our, um, so if you think about you know those objects of, of piety, right? That is, yeah. you know, God, family, and country. But I mean, you actually think about that's a lot of the moral life. Right? <laughs> like, you know, like if you if you're just thinking of a shorthand way to think about morality, it's not a bad one, right? Like, yeah, you know, serve God more than anything else, and then serve your family and your country. Yeah, pretty good, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, um, good marching so that's orders. One sort of. That's right. That's right. So. Uh, 
you know, that's one sort of source there, right, of the virtue of soldiering, right? That is, uh, the soldier is exercising patriotism in a special way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think especially in the United States, we recognize this. I think other countries as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we honor uh, soldiering because of the devotion to the patria mm-hmm. that it evinces, right? It's kind of like when someone loves your mother or honors your mother, right? Yeah. You, you, you have affection for them and respect for them because they're honoring your mother who you honor. Does that make right, sense? Right, right, right. You know, so uh, I think that's a special reason for, for the praiseworthiness we see in soldiering. Uh, second, uh, I think um, we have to recognize it as an act of, at least potentially, involves an act of justice. Mm-hmm. Right? So what do I mean by that? Uh, you'll, uh, our listeners will recall from a prior, podca- a prior podcast um, about the primacy of the common good, right? Mm-hmm. That is that we are called to love the common good of the political community more than the individual good of the part. Now, I, I said at the beginning of this podcast, I put some special emphasis on being a member of a particular community. Right, right, right. right. I am not called, this will be a little controversial, but I'm not called to love the common good of Canada as much as I love the common good of the United States of America. Mm. That's no... Um, bias or prejudice to Canada. Yeah. I expect Canadians to love the common good of Canada more than they love the common good of the United States of America. Yeah, Does yeah. that make sense? Right. Um, St. Thomas talks about this famously in, uh, and I think this is given a lot of the nonsense we hear from all sorts of leaders, political leaders, church leaders about sort of global politics. I think one thing very worthy of, you know, rethinking and, and and going back to is what St. Thomas calls the order of charity, right? Mm, right. That is, although we love all with charity, we do not love all equally with charity. Again, that that pushes against modern sensibilities. But of course I have a higher I have a higher debt of love and and obligation to my own children. Yeah. Right? To my own family, uh, you to your own wife, right? Yeah, uh, etc. Right, and, and then to my own country, mm-hmm. right? Um, because they're mine, right? There, there's a special relationship there that obliges me to give that first consideration. Right. Notice, as we so often do, Jason, <laughs> I said first, first, not only. Okay, <laughs> so as we have a tendency in our poor modern thinking, either to go to Everything is really one, so yeah. there's the, so that the division of nations doesn't matter, countries yeah. don't matter, blah 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 blah. Kind of a political global monism, mm-hmm. right? Uh, or we go towards there's no relationship between these things, and they're absolutely competitive and totally distinct and separate, right? Yeah. So we go either to one of those extremes or the other. That's not the way to do it. Order your thoughts and your affections hierarchically. Right. Oh, there's that word. To say, <laughs> man, hard. <laughs> no, right? it just helps so much. Yeah. Uh, so the, I should of course love the common good of. Let me just put. Uh, let's just pretend uh, that you are a Canadian. Yeah. You should love the common good of Canada more than the common good of the United States of America. That doesn't mean you should only love the common good of Canada. Or yeah. you should hate the common good of the United States. Yep. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that's a great it point. It just means you put the common good of Canada above the common good of the United States. And I expect that of you. I expect of you, Jason, to be more devoted to your mother and father than I am to my mother. Do you say that you like than to my mother and father? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And, and, and you, of course, respect them, but I expect you to respect your parents more than you respect my parents. Yeah, and, and the thing with just the the human experience of what you're saying is those things come naturally and it's, and it's bad philosophies and, you know, just made up, uh, made up terms that, that, that get forced into us to, to begin to confuse our thinking or to begin to doubt, uh, these things that have naturally been built into us, you know, um, you know, like, you know, for, for the, for the parent. Yeah. It's obvious that, you know, my, uh, my duty to, say evangelization or something like that. Yeah. 
if you know uh, uh, my duty is first to my family and and mm-hmm. in that way so much so that the church calls the family the domestic church I mean so right. so I mean it's one of those things where we understand this on a natural level and I think for for the 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 person especially the the, the American today when you hear these ideas of of this absolutely strict unity of everything and where our you know that we have um you know we have to show as much love and care to people of other country than the people of our own country you know th- that's that's ridiculous uh, you know so i mean like to you know you want to reject you know one extreme on uh, of this absolute unity and and on the other hand you also want to reject you know that strict individualism Right, um, right. where, where, well, everybody's, you know, everybody's their own person and, you know, I don't really owe anything sure. to anybody, or, you know, or, or at the, or at the, at the, at the level of the nation, right. You could, you could say, well, you know, my nation, right or wrong, my nation, uh, I don't care at all about the good of other nations, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So to say that you are more loyal to your own country than any yeah. other doesn't mean that you don't have respect for other countries. Uh, it just means you have a higher regard, right, for your own. Yeah, and I think that's what people misunderstand about about ordering things is that's that right. just because you put something above something else doesn't mean that you hate the other one, or it that's doesn't right. mean that that's you right. think yeah. it's unimportant at all. It just means right. that there's going to be a priority, particularly you know in the in the order of execution, if you want to put it that way, right. of whether it be love or, or bullets. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's a, there's going to be an order to which, uh, this is, uh, this is laid out mm-hmm. and there has to be, you know, at some sure. point, like you have to make a choice, you know, uh, right. there's um, gotta be priorities. Practically yeah. speaking. You gotta prioritize one thing over another. You can't apply your energy, your resources, uh, and time equally to everything. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I just want to encourage our listeners. Like we, when you, when you come across this idea and whatever extreme it falls or whatever, really push back on that, you know, and to, to sure. say like, no, there's, and, and the thing is, is that it's natural. Everybody does it that the, that we've ordered these things, uh, in a particular way, uh, no matter how much we want to, to praise one ideology over the sure. other. I mean, I would think that, yeah, I mean, it, it, where we are now, I think the more, the greater threat is on the egalitarian side of it, right? Where we sort of say it's all one. Yeah. We should love everything. Like we should, uh, you know, every country, we, we should be devoted to every country equally. Now, notice, by the way, thinking about this way allows you to escape from a whole line of argumentation. Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes is distracting, which is, oh, well, you must think your country is better than other countries. False. Yeah. I don't have to think that. Right. In order to be devoted to my country. Right. I don't have to think the United States of America is better than Canada. It's irrelevant. It's still my country. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like, so because it's mine, I don't even have to bring that into consideration. Now, of course, I should think about ways maybe to improve America or look where 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 we have faults or things like that. Does that make sense? But it doesn't. It doesn't require me to think my country is the best. Right. It just requires me to think it's fine. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even with like, even with like parents, I mean, like you wouldn't say, well, gosh, you're so devoted to your family. What do you think? It's better than my family. It's like, <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> I'm not responsible. Yeah. I'm not responsible for your family. Right. You know? So I mean, right. to, to, you know, in the, in the order of things, I'm not responsible yeah. to your family. At some point, may I be responsible for your family, your family's well-being? Maybe, uh, right, but yeah, but yeah. but again, in the in the in the order of things, probably not. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so, so like that's a good point. That's a good so, point. The uh, so all of that about the order of things is important in yes. order to think about right. The soldier is um, serving the common good of his particular community. Right. Right. And so uh, if you're a Canadian, right, then that means that you are acting for the common good of Canada, right, uh, in uh, your uh, life, in your soldiering. So you're acting for the defense of and the service of, but especially the armed defense of. Yes. That's what distinguishes it. We can talk about service in broad ways, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, the Canadian soldier uh, is uh, uh, serving, uh, looking to serve, um, and we call it the armed services, right? To defend <laughs> by armed service um, the common good of Canada. Mm-hmm. That is an act of uh, justice. 
So in that sense, right, we could say that the soldier is virtuous, right? And that mm-hmm. soldiering is virtuous for two reasons. One is the expression of patriotism, mm-hmm. right? Or that is piety in the sense of serving the country, right? Loving the patria, uh, expressing respect for the country. And two, as a form of justice in the sense of serving the political common good, right, of that city, of that country. So the Canadian soldier who does that, right, um, is is saying, look, I'm going to put the virtuous temporal well-being, right, the virtuous pursuit of basic goods and services at, at, at the level of the city, at the common level, right? So that common pursuit of those things. I'm going to put that above the individual good of my life, Mm-hmm. the individual good of my own even self-determination because another uh, aspect of the virtue of the soldier right is that uh is really uh, obedience right? right so one of the things about soldiering um uh just was talking to a, a fellow who had just uh come out of the armed services and he was he was, ha- he was he was both pleased to have served and, and happy to be done, uh, <laughs> right, is that it's a very, very disciplined life, especially in our contemporary setting. Um, and a, a part of that, right, is uh, obedience, right? Um, that is that, that you don't get to decide where you're going to go and what you're going to do, right, all the time. Now, there's a certain level at which you do, but there's a lot, but, but, you know, especially the military code in the United States is, Know, pretty pretty serious and pretty heavy and uh there's lines of authority that are laid out and all those sorts of things mm-hmm. um and so that you're you're someone under command of another right yeah. now, we all are under the command of another in some way or the other right yeah. especially military personnel so part of what they're um sacrificing is their choice right how they get to choose to do things now not their conscience that's important qualification Mm -hmm. but their choice right like you don't get to choose uh um you may be asked like what you would like to do right but you're gonna at some point you're not gonna get to choose especially like if you're in a combat situation you know you receive orders and you are required to carry out those orders right sure sure so you're you're to some degree sacrificing your individual choice or at least you're limiting your individual choice mm-hmm. uh, significantly there is that yeah, is that just yes it's a ju- it's an act of justice because it's for um the service uh, of the common good mm-hmm. yeah no that's uh, i think that's i think that's a important um not just in recognizing like you know like we've been talking about the sacrifice and the the honorability of um of a soldier um, but also just, you know, kind of that, that, that kind of obedience, it, it flies in the face of what kind of our society says about, you know, uh, what an individual should be. It should be this completely autonomous, you know, person or this, you know, autonomy is our, uh, our highest virtue. No, to, to, to submit that kind of, uh, that kind of choice uh, uh, is honorable again, again, it sure. must be attached to the good, of course. Um, but, right. but you see this, you know, you see something very similar when you look at say that, you know, the priesthood of the consecrated life. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. you know, and we, we, we understand yeah. it to some degree when it comes to the soldier, um, but are the, 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 you know, society in general kind of understands it when it, when it comes to the soldier, um, but when it comes to the religious or the priest, you know, it's just, it's weird. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's completely yeah. countercultural. It's it, yeah. It's no accident that so often, um, spiritual writers, we don't like to read this part of it anymore, uh, because yeah. we're so soft, <laughs> but the, um, uh, spiritual writers, classical spiritual writers, classical founders of religious orders, right. Speak often, frequently and deeply of their vocation in military terms. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and that's not an accident. Right. Uh, it's because they realize the reality of spiritual combat, right. And spiritual soldiering, uh, that we're all called to do, uh, for sure. But just you carry on Jason, but that, I just, that, that's, that's something that's there in our tradition. Um, and, and just sort of neglected, uh, at this point, I think again, because of our sort of, um, kind of a feet softness. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. Or this kind of, um, this idea that in the that that we need to just convert things, no, some things need to be defeated. 
um, you know, (laughs) you know, or, 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 you know, or to say like, you know, in order to, you know, in order to bring about conversion, there are certain things that need to be defeated, uh, that need to be killed off. Yeah. 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 I'm (laughs) not, I'm not there to, to, to convert the devil or to convert demons. I'm there to compromise. Yeah. I'm there to defeat them. You know, I'm not there to dialogue with them. I'm there to defeat them, to kill them. You know, it's like, you know, like, uh, yeah. So it's just, (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I think at some point you just have to. Yeah, it's right on, Jason. It's wholly correct about that. Uh, that sometimes um, getting along amicably is not the right option. Yeah. Right. Getting along amicably with the Soviet Union was not the right option. <laughs> getting on amicably with uh, Nazi Germany not the right option. Uh, getting on amicably with the various forms of barbarism that have you know swept the globe at different times sure. not the right option. Right. Yeah. Um, those are things to uh, to resist, to fight and defeat, um, even for the good of those other countries, right? Germany's better off having lost World War II, right? Yeah, exactly. you know uh, uh, um, that sort of thing. Um, you know, modern Japan's better off for having lost World War II. Um, but yeah, and then of course, especially if you sort of look at it in terms of spiritual combat, right? Like, yeah. I mean, those are things to be defeated, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to compromise with adultery. You want to have some peace, you know, with adultery and fornication, yeah. right? Like you want to defeat it. You want to wipe it out, right? Uh, now, maybe the underlying sexual urge can be purified then, sure. right? But in terms of that vice, right, that is lust or adultery or whatever it is, no compromise, no peace, right? Yeah. Uh, with that, right? Yeah. Uh, it needs to be fought and destroyed. That's a great observation, Jason. And I think that goes to what I was talking about, about in terms of softness, though. We hate that kind of thing, right? Like because of the pain that might be involved, right? Because of the self-sacrifice that might be involved, we don't want. That's what I mean by softness, right? Like we, yeah, we have a propensity to think that we have a propensity to think that human pain and suffering is the worst evil. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, and it's not. Right, adultery is worse than the suffering that you encounter by resisting adultery. (laughs) That's a good kind of pain. Yeah. That's a good kind of pain. Right. Right. So we kind of back up though and look at all this together. I mean, I think some of the things that we can recognize in the soldier that are admirable are certainly uh, the kind of obedience and discipline that we've been talking about here. Uh, The willingness to overcome softness, uh, Mm -hmm. right. To exercise fortitude, right. In the face of pain, Right. The, the opposite of that kind of softness is fortitude. Right. right. The, the man of fortitude can endure feelings of pain. Right. Uh, for the good. Right. Also, we can look at friendship. Right. Uh, yeah. As another like the, the loyalty that's exhibited among soldiers. Those are admirable things. But to kind of repeat a point that, that I made earlier, just kind of moving towards summarizing um, that. Those things are good and admirable in an obvious way, but they're only good truly and only truly virtuous if there's some good that's attached to soldiering as such, right? And those two goods are the goods of patriotism and the goods of the justice of serving the common good of your own country, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the goods that are uh, at stake. Those are the goods that make soldiering a virtuous and good activity, yeah, and I think that's important to to again uh, remember in the uh, uh, in that order. Um, to yeah, yes, we should praise those soldiers for exhibiting those other virtues, um, sure. but but you know, don't forget to 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 give them the praise for those uh, for those other ones, and you know, um, to also to you know, while we may not exhibit those in the same way that a soldier does. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ourselves should defend the common good and uh, as an act of justice uh, uh, and have that patriotism uh, towards uh, towards our country. Um, mm. uh, a soldier does that in a very specific way to enter into combat using lethal force. Um, mm-hmm. um, but those uh, but I think those um, uh, those two those two virtues of patriotism and justice really do stand at the heart mm-hmm. of uh, uh, what a soldier does. And, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, what is the beginning or what is, what takes place first before those other, mm-hmm. before those other virtues, uh, mm-hmm. like you said. Um, so Dr. Smith, very good. Uh, uh, any final thoughts or, or, or summaries on this point? Just, uh, yeah, just encourage our listeners to, to go back to kind of what 
you were saying there at the end and just think a little bit about maybe the way that you're um, sort of the unwillingness to fight or the the idea that we should compromise with everything or that we should never defeat anything, right? Man. That you brought up. I thought that was good. I, I think that's worthy of thinking about. Like there are, there are times where things just need to be defeated. And I think it might be useful to think about soldiering. And again, the New Testament, the scripture is so full of this. Yeah. Uh, soldiering as an example to us about what the Christian life should be like. Uh, every time I encounter someone in my particular circumstances now, uh, I'm involved in a lot of church work and formation work now, where they think, oh, well, something is a little too heavy or a little too serious, or maybe we're requiring too much, right, of people. I think to myself, I don't always say this out loud. Sometimes I do, <laughs> but I don't always say this out loud, but I often think in my mind, you don't know that we're at war, do you? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think so much of Christian softness right mm -hmm. now has to do with the fact that we don't know that we're at war and we yeah. are. The Bible tells us that so explicitly. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it tells us that we're at war with the, you know, the world, the flesh and the devil. Uh, if you're not thinking like that, uh, then you're losing. And, uh, cause you're not fighting. <laughs> right? yeah. So in one way, you know, kind of what you think about soldiering might at least give you some things to think about. This is just maybe really more as an aside, but think about your own life as a Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and, and to think about, I mean, the, I mean, the cross, I mean, mm -hmm. The, the 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 defeat you know of mm -hmm. the devil the the battle that was sure. won i mean there's there's you know we've talked about you know good signs and bad signs before you know the 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 sign of you know the 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 analogy of the soldier to the spiritual life it's there's there's like you said there's a there's a preference for it in spiritual writings and not just like the spiritual musings of jason and ben but like the saints like the right. there, there's a reason why the saints use this uh, uh, as an analogy for right. the, the spiritual life, because it's the mm -hmm. closest to the reality that is taking sure. place, you know, and, and we can't, it, we, we, we can't ignore those things. Uh, uh, and so in a way we have to take up, uh, we have to take up that fight in a very, in a very real way. And in a way that, that as hard of the, as hard as the circumstances may be, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we need to, to be real with them and, and not try to couch them in terms uh, that that appease our feelings or uh, sure. societal sensibilities about war and fighting and things like that. Uh, and so, all right, uh, we've we've come to an end. I want to thank uh, Dr. Smith for for bringing this to us. I want to invite our listeners, you know, think about think about these uh, uh, these things uh, on Veterans Day, or or you know, um, uh, thank thank those uh, veterans that have fought for for us uh, as an act of justice in defense of the common good for their for their patriotism to to make those sacrifices those uh, those things that uh, we all hold dearly to, to to say that we sacrifice those things for uh, somebody else's good for the good of our society and for that uh, patriotism and so I want to invite all our listeners to check us out at catholicstudiesacademy.com until next time God bless